Welcome to episode 10 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Hey guys, so welcome along to episode 10, we're number 10 Ooh, now. Double Woo! figures. Double figures moving up in the world of Iron Man talk with uh, Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How are you going, mate? Very good. It's a beautiful day down in Christchurch, yeah, New Zealand sensational. today. Been out riding and it's just a classic winter's day, not a cloud in the sky. We woke up and it was really, really cold, so we started our bike ride pretty early and I had like 20 layers on <laughs> and then we went on this big hill climb. I was steaming it. <laughs> Clothes coming off all over the show. Fantastic day out here. Fantastic day. In this week's show in the news, we've got the results from a Honu um, Bala, which is in... Is it in Bala? Uh, yep, it's yep. in uh, Wales and UK. Yeah, um, we're gonna, we, we didn't actually get the results from the um, exterior event for this year, but we found the results from the last couple of years, and we found those quite interesting, so we're just going to quickly touch on those. Um, there's a lot of activity happening on the Triathlon Professionals website, and uh, John sent me through an interesting email this week, so... We're going to touch on that a little bit. Mm. Uh, yeah, lots of things happening. Yeah, yeah. definitely pushing things forward. Um, Gordo's race report on next try, which is very interesting, and we'll probably just talk about that and give a quick link to it. Queenstown challenges entry forms are now open, so again, we'll just talk quickly on that. Website of the week, age grouper of the week, and the high five. What are we doing this week for the high five, man? Uh, <laughs> conveniently for today, it's uh, winter training tips. So for well, you Northern Hemisphere athletes, you can uh, just concentrate on your training for, for five minutes while we talk about that if you're out on your bike. Yeah. Um, but for the rest of you Southern Hemisphere athletes like ourselves, just a few little basic tips to, to stay warm during winter. Yeah, don't get sick. Yeah. Um, and also Coach's Corner. Uh, we're going to go into goal setting. Mm. Um, so just going to talk a little bit about that. And we've also got an article I've written that we'll put up on the, mm. the website. So uh, we'll really just be talking through that article and giving people some guidance in that area. Yep, definitely. And uh, lastly, we've got your questions and answers. So this weekend, we had some races going on. Not a lot of racing. Well, nine men at least. And we've hit the half. Yeah, so the Honu half. Um, no surprises, really. I think we predicted it last week. wasn't exactly a stellar, stellar field. Um, but apart from the guys that won, Chris McCormick and Kaylee Jones took that out pretty comfortably. She kicked back, didn't she? Yeah. She yes, smashed uh, it. Yeah, 20 minutes. So um, I think the reason why no pros really go there is I'm unsure of whether there's much money. It's obviously a fairly pricey place to get to. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. So uh, some really good age group results, though. Um, I know you've got your age group of the week coming up. Yeah, from I there. don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it. did really well. But uh, a lot of those guys in the top 10, we're, we're, we're pushing the pros pretty hard. We've got a guy there in seventh place, Mike Montgomery, um, at 4.22. He's uh, an age group that's coming over to Epic Camp. So it's oh, good, cool. good to see him oh. uh, performing nicely. And I think he's going to be uh, maybe challenging for the yellow jersey on Epic Camp. Good climber. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, we're going to have to somehow penalise Gordo somehow because he's going to be um, quite a bit better than the others this time so yeah he's we'll, a bit uh, like, a, like a weight on his bike <laughs> we'll give him a 20 minute penalty up every hill climb but yeah so no no big results uh, major results here Chris McCormick uh, obviously won by about 6 minutes in 4.03 obviously uh, I'd imagine he's probably using it as a bit of a preparation for Hawaii he, he struggles a bit in those really hot conditions yeah on the extra they're talking a little bit about Roth as well how he wants to really do well there yeah, again so. So a bit of a bit of a shake up for him, maybe a month out from Roth, or probably about mm. six to eight weeks out. Because Ferris Osorton's doing Roth as well. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, so it should be a pretty good race. Yeah, uh, the guy Chris Half uh, Heath, who got second, I, I think he won last year. Um, and yeah, he's he a pro. Did, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, pretty close. I mean, if you took Chris McCormick out of it, it would have been pretty close racing, really. Yeah. You know, maybe only uh, about ten. Well, 
down to fifth place within six minutes, so second to fifth within six minutes. Pretty close stuff. Um, so yeah, It was on. interesting, um, just before we go into the females, on the X-Try article, they're talking about Chris McCormick actually now going back to Olympic yeah. um, distance triathlon, aiming to qualify for the Olympics for Australia in 2008. Now it's saying that this year will be his last year as an Ironman. Uh, yeah, I think he's... Um, I don't know. It's, it's pros and cons that, but he's, I think he's close to cracking Hawaii. You know, I think he's close to... Yeah. To really doing something last year, I think he raced a really mature race and mm. uh, and came he had through. the fastest run, didn't he? Yeah, and mm. so I think he's um, he's on the verge of, of doing it at Hawaii. So whether he does whether he does it this year, then he'll obviously be able to go out on a high. Yeah, um, maybe he'll come back to it. I think it'll be a real big challenge for him to come back to Olympic distance racing. Uh, it's so tough just to make the Aussie team. Um, so that's going to be that's it's probably going to be a bigger challenge for him to actually make the team. Um, they actually do really? do well at the Olympics. So why is it so hard in Australia? Uh, they've just got good depth, really, really good depth. Yeah. And uh, it kind of depends on what their selection policy is. Um, I think if he had a course like Athens, I think he would have done yep. really well in Athens. He's a hard climbing, tough climb. Yep. Um, people like the older guys like Hamish, um, Bevan, while he's not that old, he's been around for a long, long time. So the guys that have got lots of volume under their legs tend to do well in those courses. So do we know the course for the oh wait? Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, they, they're trialing it and using a slightly different course every year. We know the area that it's in, um, so it's it's not going to be as challenging as Athens. It's still going to be a, a reasonably challenging bike course, but they are changing it all the time. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But I think he'll struggle to make the team um, yeah. because uh, they've got some. You know, if, if I was a selector, I'd probably be going for Peter Robertson. Uh, and who's the guy who won the Commonwealth Games? Uh, Brad Cal- yeah, Carfelt. Yeah. Those two guys have got. So they only get to take two. They'll get to take two, three. But they're guaranteed, basically. But but those two have got something a bit special that I, if I was a selector, I'd be picking them. Yeah. Uh, but Chris McCormick, you know, if they set a really tough qualifying schedule, tough hilly bike courses, I think he's got a chance. But it's it's tough to come from doing that long slow stuff. It's a bit cool for him as well, isn't it? Because he's you know he's one of the world's top Ironmen. Yeah, and you know he hasn't won Hawaii, and you know maybe mm. all this year, maybe he won't. Um, but for him to stick at the sport, it gives him a better chance of achieving the pinnacle of our sport. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting how much of a draw the Olympics have, even oh, for is, someone like him. It is a big draw card, and uh, did he race Sydney? Uh, I don't. Know. I can't remember. No. Uh, I'm not quite sure if he did race Sydney. If he did, he didn't do particularly well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, he's raced everything else, and so I'm sure one of the things he wants to do is uh, is to get that. You know, at least race at the Olympics. He's got a world short course title, so I don't think he's probably too concerned about yeah. winning that again. Um, but yeah, good luck to him. He's a fantastic guy, and so I hope he does well. Uh, just lastly, I wonder if he'll go and do the ITU. He must have to do ITU oh, yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah so, you've, you've got to be. So maybe he's looking at thinking maybe I can make more money out of doing it. I think he makes enough. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> very well, very well known. He's got a bike shop over in Aussie as well. Is he? Uh, so I, I don't think I don't think financially it's probably a big thing. Oh, okay. Although I think he probably would make more. You, you make more if you do lots of short course races than if you do long course. But on the the flip side of that, he's got a much higher profile in the states because of his long course success. So hmm. watch uh, that space. Yeah, and on the female side of the race in Honu. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with um, really any of those females other than um, Michaela Jones, so a 20-minute victory there. Yeah. And again, if you took her out of it, it was actually quite close racing. <laughs> um, so as we know, it was a qualifier for age groupers and also a qualifier for Hawaii athletes. So yep. um, probably pretty competitive out there for, for those guys. She actually managed to get 10th overall, mm. including the men, Michaela Jones did, so that's pretty good effort. 
So I think last year she got second or third. Oh, uh, really? So a bit of a, um, you know, it was a stronger field this year. It's still a new race, so it's mm. growing each time. Um, but uh, yeah, another solid performance. You know, 429, that's uh, not too shabby. No, especially when you've got no one around you. Exactly, yeah. Oh, I suppose she was trying to beat down those boys. Yeah. Uh, and then we had uh, English race. No, we're just trying to find it here on my little page. Bala, the Bala half Ironman. Uh, I just thought we'd better... We, we often focus a bit on the American races because they tend to get a bit more uh, exposure on yeah. a lot of the websites where we get a lot of our information. But the Bala middle distance triathlon. Hey, we've got some fans in England as well, so bring on the palms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I think we'll give it a mention. It's a, I've done a race I did a few years ago. Um, it was a bit of a comeback race for me. I got absolutely spanked. Uh, <laughs> but never mind. Uh, but the guy who won it, Paul Mountford, he's won it for a few years uh, now. Good, good, solid all-round athlete. It's a beautiful race, nice Fast lake line. swim. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice lake swim. Uh, the bike course is a little bit challenging, got a few little uh, climbs in it, and the run is very challenging. Uh, you, a lot of up and downs, and I remember the time I did it, they weren't quite onto it, and the uh, the drink marshals weren't, weren't out there, and I got to about 12k, and I still hadn't had a drink, and from that point on, it was, uh, wasn't wasn't pretty. It wasn't um, your happy place. But it's a lovely race, so well done to Paul Mountford for winning that, and uh, Chris... Bidolf in second, and James Creswell was in uh, third place. So, well done to you guys. Rachel Horn. Rachel Horn. She's actually a good athlete. She's won it a few times. She won at the time I went and raced there. Uh, so, so how long ago were you there? Oh, those were the days. Those were the days. No, it wasn't actually that long ago. It was when I was living in the UK, and I wasn't really training. It was probably about 2003 or something okay. like that. Don't go and look at the results. It was ugly reading. <laughs> <laughs> but Rachel Horn, she's won that race a few times, and uh, I know she's raced Hawaii, and she does quite well at the European Long Distance Champs. So, um, yeah, I'd say she, who was the second girl there? Probably a fair way down. Yeah, yeah but she was. Well, she's up sort of about the thirtieth place. So pretty, pretty strong race. Yeah, uh, Joe Haley. Joe Haley. Yeah. And and uh, Farrows. Yeah. So uh, good racing for all you UK pommies. Well Is done. That a paid like as a pro race. So there's. There is a little bit of money there. Uh, not 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 a great deal. I think yeah. I, I think I got fifth or something, and I got a hundred quid. So oh, uh, retire, can't, can't retire on that. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of money in the UK, not a huge amount. Um, you've really got to go go across to Europe. Obviously, there's a bit of money in the Ironman and the half Ironman over yeah. there, but uh, pref- the UK a lot of the time is still very much um, an amateur ethos. Yeah, we uh, we talked about the X Trier full distance um, Ironman last week of the, yeah. the mountain bike ride and the trail run with the swim near, near Barcelona wasn't uh, it? Barcelona and uh, we, we couldn't find the results because it's only last weekend and obviously a little bit slow in the results but we checked out the results from the last couple of years now basically the top guys are doing the individual guys are the number the guy who wins it at least is taking 12 and a half hours <laughs> And he won it. <laughs> and, he, and he won it. But it was interesting because in 2004, I think it was, where they had the results, the guy got two and a twelve and a half, and then second was 16 hours. So, <laughs> so, so it's a huge gap. It's not a huge field, but... But uh, it's something but but different but innovative. Obviously, the race organisers aren't out there to make a million bucks because no. they're not getting huge, no. huge entries. So it's great to see those sorts of events, I reckon, real challenging, gut-busting races. Yeah, so, it's a long time in a minute. Bring it on. Okay. We'll go over there. they for like seven or eight hours. Yeah. It'd probably be a good, um, good place to do a bit of a team competition of some description, a bit mm. like what they do with um, Roth and what they're doing with the Queenstown race coming up. Actually, oh, I'll talk about that when we go there because it's yeah. exciting. <laughs> it's very exciting. Look, you're excited listening, aren't you? <laughs> um, the uh, professional triathlon professional organisations website's been been putting some big stuff out there, eh? They have. They've been in uh, contact with WTC, and some of the feedback has been positive, some little little negative. 
Um, but really, the two issues they're trying to get some good information from the WTC is, is obviously drafting, which we've discussed on a, on a few occasions. And there was obviously the article we referred to a few weeks ago about the wind tunnel testing. And so one of the big pushes, a guy who um, who sort of is, is founder of the triathlon professionals, Olaf Shabustis. I probably pronounced that That's wrong. Pretty good information. Sorry, Olaf, if you're listening. <laughs> but the, the the big push is to find out some some facts and figures from this this Ford test that was done. Yep. And uh, I think they did actually post something up on the site, but it was only this morning, and for some reason I couldn't open it. It was a PDF file. So really they're, they're trying to get the information from Ben Ferrick, they're not, uh, who's the head of the WTC. It's not really been that forthcoming, but uh, the, the the hope is that, that Olaf is going to meet with Ben Ferrick at Ironman Germany oh, really? and, and try and um, <coughs> nut out a few issues. So there is a bit of, bit of leeway there. Now you uh, had a copy of an email that... Yeah, so the replies um, weren't that positive from the WTC, to be honest. I got this email from John, and it was quite, it was quite, yeah, you know, it was, it was very much, very much, I don't know if it was meant, meant to be for everybody's eyes, but... No, and I was, the, I was writing back to John, how did you get hold of this information? <laughs> it, was it was like conspiracy theory. It was from Ben Ferrick, and they were sort of stating that from, you know, there is no advantage at five metres. Once you go above five metres, there's no advantage. We've shown this, Ford have proved it, blah, blah, uh, and, and the answer that Olaf said, look, we just want to see the information. If you can show to us that there is no dis- drafting distance, yeah. um, no no assistance, that's fine. Uh, personally, I think it's an absolute load of shit <laughs> because I, I know at five metres there, you do have a significant advantage yeah. and, and every pro athlete knows that. So we just want to know what the advantage is and, and try to come up with some happy medium. And uh, so the pros are happy to go out there and race on a fair and open course and WTC are happy with that they can provide a safe race and that the TV are happy and, and, yep. and it should be a win-win situation it's not that complicated so well, it was interesting Gordo the, the site we're going to talk about in a minute it was Gordo's race report from Brazil and he mentioned how that in Brazil they had a 10 meter draft and he just said how it was just so much better and he felt it was a lot fairer racing he has he does actually mention that article um He's, he's done some research, just personal research, the yep. percentage gain that he feels he gets at about yeah, 7 metres. Yeah, he, he actually has the figures of the power ratio that yeah. he saves. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's fantastic because you do get an advantage at 5 metres. And one of the things Olaf is trying to work on is actually get a few pro cyclists together, which have all got SRM power metres, to go to a track and oh, to actually do okay. some testing in a line. So have three or four in a line and they have to ride at a constant power output. And so instead of spending lots of money and going back to Ford, which is what ITU's problem is, they say, we don't want to go back to yeah, our sponsor. Which is understandable. Which is understandable. So let's let's try and find a practical answer where um, everybody's happy. So yeah, I can't say that WTC have been uh, open arms and receiving this information. Um, but I think once all the information started to go public, I think they went, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we might do something about this. So uh, do keep an eye on the Triathlon Professionals. It's triathlon-professionals.org. Uh, there's quite a bit of good information that's going up there. Olaf updates the site very frequently. They also mentioned about the drugs. The drugs. He he met with the organiser at Ironman Brazil. Olaf got third there yep. um, about drug testing. I actually picked him, I think. You did? You picked him to win though, didn't you? No, I don't know. No, tan- no tantalizer this week anyway. But Olaf met with the organizer there and I don't. by the sounds of it, there isn't a lot of pressure put on organizers to do drug testing and it's down to the race organizer. It's at their cost to do the drug testing. Yeah. And, you know, what, what, is, no the mo- what is the motivation? Saying, yeah. What is the motivation for a race organizer? It's going to cost them a fair amount of money. Is it, is it an expensive procedure? Oh, yeah, it's very expensive. And in Brazil, they don't even have any specific testing laboratories, which okay. was one of his answers there. 
So I think it's got to come from the top. WTC have got to come up with a really strong procedure saying this is what you've got to do. This is how much it's going to cost. This is part of the agreement. Yep. Um, and it's the same scenario. If you want to be an Ironman, you need drug testing. Yeah. yeah. And, and this has been the whole problem with cycling is they've got a whole set of rules. And, and why this thing keeps going on with Lance Armstrong is because the UCI um, don't sort of comply with WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Authority. Yep. They don't comply with their rules. Uh, and so this is why these fiascos go on and on. So, so did, he, did he take drugs? No. That's the unanswered question, isn't it? We don't want to answer that one. We'll just stay away from that one. <laughs> we'll stay away from that. We might yeah, end well, up with a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> might end up with a big lawsuit on it. I don't think you did. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, yeah, well, that's, yeah. And, and we don't want drugs in our sport, basically, at the end of the day, because we don't want people cheating. And but I think the potential for the bed, quite a bit of drugs in, in Ironman is, is quite high. Well, there must be. Surely there's going to be cheats in any sport. Yeah. You know, and... But, uh, and, and athletes are going to push the envelope. Like, with the drafting issue, if they say it's five metres, yep. the pro athletes are going to ride at five metres. If yep. they say it's ten metres, the athletes will ride at ten metres, yep. verging on nine metres. Yep. If there's no drug testing, you know... A lot, there's going to be a lot of athletes out there that are going to go, oh, well, I can take it, you know? And then you can justify it to yourself saying, well, I know other guys are taking it, so, yeah. you know, and they're making money and I'm not, you know, and it's like... If you can hear any squeaking, it's yeah. my chair, <laughs> it's sorry. Squeaky chair, <laughs> it's squeaky chair. I normally squeak. have the squeaky one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, yeah, so, so it's good to see the Triathlon's professionals organisation actually doing something, you know, you get a lot of these organisations that are just a name, and mm. you know, but these guys are really pushing it, so... And I think it's just going to be really fascinating to see how WTC come back from it, whether they just completely ignore it, mm. um... So they're kind of they're not at that stage yet, but they they weren't really forthcoming, um, saying yes, we want to meet, we want lots of interaction. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. We'll give them a, give them a chance, mm. um, and hopefully everybody comes out a winner. That's right. It's a happy <laughs> days, eh? Happy days. Gordo's uh, race report on X try. You've read it? Yeah, I had a scan through. Um, he sent it over on email, so I I got a pre pre reading. Uh, but oh, it, it's just thing? it's just a uh, an example of a re- really well run race and, and a good execution and pacing. Um, you know, a lot of people would have looked at Gordo's split and said he had a pretty crap bike ride. Um, but he, he knows what he's doing and he knows that the, the real gains he can make are on the run. Yep. Um, and that's the same with pretty much any athlete, whether it's your running's your weakness or your strength. Most athletes lo- lose a huge amount of time in the second half of the marathon. So a good example of pacing and a good a good article really just on, on how he attacked the race, what was going through his mind, uh, how he sort of changed his tactics mid, mid-race. So pros yep. obviously do have tactics. They, 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 you've still got to run your race, but he appreciated pretty early on in the picture that he wasn't going to get in the top three. Yep. And so he was really racing for fourth um, fourth place. So he focused on, on, on those areas rather than trying to keep up with uh, Olaf and and uh, Oscar Galindez and Luke Bell he just sort of did his accepted thing the, yeah, but kept, kept an eye on the other guys it's actually a really good article one thing about Gordo is he's a great writer and he has nice little insights into it um, he, it's more than just a quick race report which most guys do he actually mm. tries to I imagine he's trying to teach you a lesson out of it and so if you want to go and have a read there's some really good points I like the way he mentioned Cam Brown about how even when Cam did the shortened New Zealand race he still had the normal period of rest he has after a race and yeah. stuff like that and he just has lots of little insights into it so we'll have it a link to it in the show notes so click it out check it out and see what you you know see what you think it's, some, it's definitely worth reading yeah um, Challenge Queenstown entry open yeah I, the reason why I thought we'd better bring that up is um, no big news I mean the entries have opened but there has been a fair bit of activity on some forums asking what the course is like um, and we have mentioned it once or twice before um, because this is a slightly unique course this, this, uh, people are asking how this, what the swim's going to be like 
Um, the answer there is the sum's going to be bloody cold. Uh, My name's on it. I'm just... <laughs> if you want to go and find a teammate, Bevan, Bevan could be your teammate. I could be your teammate. There you go. <laughs> um, so the swim's going to be bloody cold. Yeah, swim's um, going to be bloody cold. But you're allowed to wear uh, gloves and you're allowed to wear booties. Which you will need. they're strongly encouraging people to wear... Uh, what kind of cold? Okay, so what is cold? Well, they measure cold as last year it was 16.1, I think they said, degrees. Yep. And that's that's not that cold. No, um, but... It's, it's cold, but, but it's not really it's cold. Apparently it's last year than normal. Last year we didn't have a great deal of snow in New Zealand and the mountains and, and where Queenstown is based is just basically surrounded by mountains and so all the, all the, the offflow from the melted snow goes into the lake and it's bloody cold. So I would be picking um, probably more in the region of sort of 13 degrees would be about right. Yeah. Um, but I reckon if you've got booties on, gloves on and a, uh, a helmet on, I don't think it'll be that cold. The only area that's being exposed is your face. You yep. lose a lot of temperature when you're out swimming through your hands, through your feet, through your head. And if you've got those areas protected, yep. I don't think it's going to be that big an issue. Uh, if you don't have those things and you're just wearing a wetsuit, I think you'll likely get pretty cold. I don't imagine this race is going to be an extremely fast race anyway. Um, the bike no. course, from what I can tell, from word of mouth, more than anything, is that it's quite a tough bike course. Very tough, And yeah. uh, the run's not that flash easy, easy either. I'm, I'm not sure about the run. I don't think the run's that hard, but the bike's definitely very hard. Um, we're, we're hoping to go down there and actually do a bit of a ride over the course at some stage. It's about a five-and-a-half-hour drive from here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to wear my Polar... Um, and so then I can download the gradients and, and if, if and when we do that we'll put them up on the website yeah. um, but very very undulating a few pretty pretty nasty hills but there is some flat in the middle it's, so it's, it's not going to be a fast course no. so it's going to be a really good challenge and, uh, and I think that's, that's what they're really focused on wasn't it yeah you know, challenge Queenstown <laughs> and fantastic location you won't beat it for scenery it'll be amazing yeah definitely if you come from overseas Queenstown rocks. so they've got the team aspect as well that you're sort of looking yeah, at yeah so doing. I put my name on the website um, I'm actually looking to do a kind of an it's a, close to New Zealand close to, a good time to be doing that big block training so I'm thinking I'll bike down to Queenstown for a couple of days um, which would be about two to two hundred and forty a day. Do the race and then bike back for a couple of days, and so yeah. um, just. But I'm only going to be doing the cycle section of the race, so um, I'm not sure to be honest. It's a little bit expensive for a team. I thought that the prices were a bit much, to be honest. Um, you know, I thought where they were going to be pitching themselves as to come in below Ironman, and I yeah. think that would have been a competitive advantage for yeah, them, and I yeah. think people would have appreciated that. But they've come in pretty much the same as Ironman, and as a team, it's nearly seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, you if know, like cheap ass like you, Bevan. That's well, just, yeah, that's, that's a lot of money. No, but it's like you know, I'm doing 180k ride, and it's going to cost me 300 bucks. Yeah, it's like that's a lot so, of money just to just to do a bike ride. I think they could, they could have, especially for the first year. I think they probably should have come in a bit cheaper than that. But it's mm. uh, what's done is done. I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see how the event pans out, and it's going to be a bloody challenging day in the office. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so bring it on. Age Grouper of the Week. Oh, yeah. I've ended the music. Sensational. I wanted to stop and listen to it, but no. Focus. <laughs> we must go on. And now I need to find my piece of paper because I lost my piece of paper. There you go. Here we go. My Age Grouper of the Week was from uh, Honu in Hawaii. Hawaii. And his name was... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Lucas de la Torre. Oh, no. Luis. Luis. De la Torre. De la Torre. You're pretty good at that one, mate. Oh, mate. Mate, I added the music. I confused myself after that, I tell you. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, the reason he's the age group of the week was he actually had a really great race. He managed to come in sixth place overall with a swim time of 28.18, bike of 220.51, and a run of 224.36. No, um, I think he was in the 37, so he's in the 37 to... It's a very tough age group. Yeah, um, because, because he didn't even win it. No, Mike Montgomery, who got seventh, he was third in the 35 to 39 yeah, age group. And luckily yeah. there was three Hawaii slots and he got the third one. Yeah, but this guy here was the fastest... Hawaii slot guy. Yeah. So no, no, the fastest guy from Hawaii. Yeah. From on the island of the slot. So that's why I chose cool. him as my age group of the week. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, good maybe. performance. Six overall. Four seventeen thirteen. Pretty yeah. fast time. Thirty seven year old too. Yeah. No, nothing wrong with being thirty seven. <laughs> some of those age groups are bloody fast. <laughs> yeah, they really are. And what was really cool was that this week, last week's um, age group of the week was Penny. I can't remember her last name now, but. Penny. This shows how much you care. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm trying to find it on the internet. No, Penny. Um, we got an email from another person who actually knew Penny, yeah. and uh, so they kind of told us. And then apparently she's got the show now, and so yeah. So hello, Penny, and you were age group of the week last week. So congratulations. Bevan just gave you a wave, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> and she is living in New Zealand. So there oh, you go. Right. Yeah, Very it's nice. Like, it's just a small world after all. It is. So there you go. The uh, oh, bug of the music. The age group of, of the week. week. Do you want to put music in for high five? Oh, no, I like I like our own high five. Okay. okay. One, One, two, two three. three. Oh, oh, no. I thought that was your countdown in. Okay. okay. What are we doing? Just, you, you do it. I'll, I'll leave you. One, two, play. three, four. High five. There we go. Yeah. We could have put that to the bloopers section, but, uh, <laughs> but no. Okay, so we thought today, uh, given that we went out riding in the cold weather today, yeah. it was fantastically beautiful blue after, sky. After the first half an hour, it was sensational. Yeah. yeah. But, um... Yeah, some winter bike training tips um, because it is cold out there and you do need to look after yourselves. And, so just, and avoid sickness as yeah. well. So we know. thought we'd just have five quick tips. It was actually quite interesting. Before I came around here today, one of my athletes rang me up and she's only just started doing triathlons. She said, I get really cold feet. What should I do? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, one of our tips here is, uh, it's actually tip number two, so I'm jumping ahead, but to get some booties. Um, so booties uh, come in a couple of different formats. You can get just little uh, toe cover ones, or you can yep. get full sort of boots that cover your whole uh, shoe and sort of cover up your ankle. Made out of wetsuit material, they have a good zip down the back, and they also have a space on, underneath where your cleats come through, but they make an absolutely massive difference, and you just don't really get cold feet. I mean, yeah. we, were, we were biking in close to zero zero degrees when we started Negative today 20 <laughs> and uh it wasn't cold at all i mean it was bloody cold but uh, your feet didn't really feel it at all i i, I go <clears throat> excuse me i go all out with when it comes to your feet i use um i've got some socks which i paid like 150 dollars for which is yeah. sensational and then we've got some of those um ones that you gave me which one? yeah the little epic camp ones yeah the epic camp ones which are toe covers and then i even wear Booties on top of that. Oh, you just don't want so, your feet Some people cold. might call you a pussy, but... Uh, well, I don't know. Like, if you're going for no. a big ride and you've, once your toes get cold... Yeah, it's you know, not pretty. You do five hours on the bike and you've got to- cold toes. It's yeah. just... Yeah, you just can't focus on your and training. trying to get off and run off the bike. Yeah, is, uh, yeah it's tricky. like ice running off ice legs. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and I always try to wear double pair of socks as well. Like, uh, to me, if you can avoid it, definitely do. And a good pair of booties is so mm. important. So And they're probably cheap as well to get a pair of booties. Well, I bought the most expensive ones. <laughs> <laughs> you should be able to get a, a pair very cheap. The wetsuit company, Blue 70, make a pair. Yeah, and they, um, they were really good. Yeah. So get out there and get yourself some booties for you. Kiwis and Aussies and and uh, South Africans. And Although, Aussies haven't got much to worry about. Yeah. It's very hot there all the time. <laughs> um, first, Our first tip, going back to the before the one John said, was um, have some flexibility in your program. So if the weather's not good, you know, you, you kind of try to move it around a little bit at that time of the year. It's... Um, 
you know, it's okay to do that. If, if it's pouring down with rain, you've got to, you know, and you still need to ride, it's okay to do it a day later or something like that. And the main area is probably weekends where you, if your long ride is scheduled for Saturday, and it's a beautiful day, no, Sunday, and it's a beautiful day on Saturday, get out on the bike. Basically, if it's sunny, um, yep. generally get out on your bike you when you can, the the because there will be days where you're stuck on your indoor trainer, and uh, that's never much fun. Oh, it's painful. <laughs> I hate the indoor trainer. So our third tip is also an equipment tip. Uh, get yourself a really good set of gloves. A lot of people I see going out training in the winter just have some sort of polypropylene gloves, and they're really crap. The wind just goes straight through them. Uh, so the type of gloves that I ride with have actually got sort of th- almost three layers built in. They've sort of got the, the inside glove layer, then they've almost yep. got a plastic layer yep. lining put in, and then they've got another sort of grippy layer put over the top. Uh, so it is worth investing if you're in a relatively cold place to get a really to actually spend a bit of money, get a really good set of gloves, because um, the areas where you do tend to lose the heat is through your feet, your hands, yeah. and your head. So try to keep those areas covered up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to this one first. Um, have a good... Well, because you taught me that one the other okay. day. Okay. Um, have a good windproof jacket. Uh, and, and I also think try to get breathable materials underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, so you try to buy good fabrics for the clothes you're wearing underneath the jacket. I've got a jacket that's a sensational jacket. It does The wind doesn't seem to get in, but it was able to breathe all the air out. And it cost me a lot of money. It cost me about mm. four or 500 bucks. But... It was just such a great buy because I go out training in cold days and I don't get cold on the inside, but the wind still, you know, it resists. And so I get a really good windproof jacket because the wind chill can definitely just really get mm. through you. Especially if you're doing long climbs like today, we did a uh, about a 25 minute climb. When you're coming down from that, you know, you've got a really good sweat up and if, yep. if the wind's getting through you, you just get a chill and very, very easy to get sick. And it was also interesting today, John, you didn't have breathable materials on, did you? I'm and, suffering. <laughs> yeah, whereas I, like, I did have a lot of layers on today, but I did have materials that could breathe. And so spending a little bit of money on those kind of things definitely helped to just keep the body warm, yeah. and especially when you're going back downhill. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and our last one is... Always cover up your knees, especially, I mean, it goes without saying, probably in the middle of winter, most people are trying to keep warm, but in those sort of changeable seasons, if it's really below about 14 degrees centigrade, even if it's sunny, you should cover up your knees. Why? Uh, you need, it just, you can just, you start to lose a bit of lubrication. I don't know scientifically what it exactly is, but for longevity in the sport, I think it helps prevent um, just getting sore knees, cold knees, yeah. and it allows a bit more friction with your kneecaps and so on. Uh, it's, it's funny, John says it, because I tend or tended not to um, actually wear. I just used to always wear my cycle shorts, yeah. even on cold days, and just having my feet warm. And I don't know, I just think hard up. But um, no, you've got to look after yeah, your knees. Yeah, and yeah, it's interesting because I do. I, I kind of noticed it more recently. And then when John said, "Oh, you, you know, make sure you wear lower pants," and it was yeah, I've noticed a difference. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So that's how. One, two, three, four, high five. That's no, what I'm going to leave that to you. Yeah. That section. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'll do the next section. Okay, though. you go. Website of the week. Oh, I might okay. have around that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, this one was from uh, Joe Rao, and she yeah, she's the one who asked us the questions about her training and the running. A few weeks ago, um, it's www.pponline.co.uk, and I've I've got into the link that goes onto the triathlon site. It's it's basically a lot of articles about triathlon. Now they they're trying to sell a lot, lot of books on this website as well, and they try to ask you to sign up for the email and all the rest of it. But they do have a lot of great articles on triathlon, so I've got the link to the triathlon page, and um, yeah, the, yeah it's if you want to go and read some articles and different kind of concepts and stuff on triathlon. Yeah, lots of books there. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. God, who yeah. writes them all? I haven't seen this one before. Well, it's Peak Performance is the website, Yeah, and uh, they don't seem to be selling coaching as such, it's more they're selling... Um, oh, you don't want to go anywhere else for coaching. Wow, well, there's only one place to go for coaching. Where is that, John? <laughs> triathloncoach.net. Triathloncoach.net. 
But uh, no, it looks like it's a good, good variety of information there. I mean, that's one of the things. You always want to just gather as much information as you can. There's no one set way of doing things. No. Uh, and you just got to gather things, figure out what's right for you, and uh, and then go with that. You know, some people like to do lots of speed work. Some people like to do lots of volume work. Um, so the more information you can soak up, the better. Yeah, so check out their website. It's, uh, yeah, pponline.co.uk. Coach's Corner, how do we do Coach's Corner again? We go... Coach's Corner. I think we do the same for everyone, yeah, don't we? Got to get a bit of variation. More in music our tweets coming, guys. No so way. if you get if you get onto your job there and open up the right page, okay. <laughs> setting goals. Um, so I've got an article here about uh, about goal setting. So a lot of people have have goals, but they're often not um, particularly specific. Uh, you know, for, for example, your goal might be I want to qualify for the Hawaii Ironman. Yeah. Um, and so what what's important when you're you're setting your goals is to to break them down a bit and try to be more specific and try to to focus more on the process rather than the outcome because you know if you want to say I want to qualify for Hawaii a lot of that is is out of your control uh you know if you go to a race and you know last year the qualifying people did around about 10 hours 20 what happens if five people from the top 5 at Kona turn up and all of a sudden you yeah. get screwed over yeah so you those things just kind of happen. You've, you've got to really focus on what you're doing uh, rather than what other people are doing, especially at Ironman. You know, when you're racing short course, different story. You are racing more head-to-head with people. It becomes a bit more tactical. With Ironman, it's really, tactics shouldn't really come into it in terms of racing head-to-head until the second half of the run. So you've really just got to focus on what you're doing. So one of the points I make in this article is, uh, is breaking your goals down a bit um, to short, medium, long-term, and dream goals. So short could be anything from one day up to three months, medium anything from three to 12 months, and long term sort of one to three years. Dream goals, you know, for some people it may, the dream might be to, to get to Kona or to do a sub 10 hour Ironman yep. or to, for pro athletes to win a gold medal or to win your age group somewhere and things like that. Those are sort of more dream goals and, and they help to motivate you um, but they're not so much process driven they're sort of outcome things you'd love to happen one day well, one thing I do with my dream type goals is that I start from there you yeah. know, and then work, work way backwards. back yeah yeah. so I start thinking okay ultimately I want to be a pro triathlete and this is a couple of years ago now and then from there I looked at the different terms and so one two years from now what do I need to be doing six months from now three months from now and you know reassess that every time I do a set of goals yeah otherwise you can sort of lose focus and you just sort of you know you, while you're making improvements you might just be looking at that pro goal going I'm still so far away Shit, yeah. this is, I'm yeah. never going to get there and it's unrealistic to be looking at that this yeah. early on in the piece if you're looking at a goal that's three years away yeah. to be focusing on that whereas if you're looking at something that's achievable within the short term yeah, yeah. totally mm. um, so just a few little tips that I've got here is um uh, you may well have seen this if you've seen articles on goals before, but to make your goals smart, smart. so that means them to make them specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Um, so I'll just quickly go through what I mean by those things there. So when I say specific, that means goals should be pretty uh, straightforward and to the point, um, not really sort of airy-fairy goals, and, uh, and try to answer the questions of what, when, and where you're going to be doing them so that yep. helps to make them specific so uh you know a, a poor example of setting a goal might be um, i want to lose weight i mean yeah. I'm, I'm just using examples from the article i've, I've got here yep. and we'll go through some better examples as we sort of get a bit further down the track so just try to make them as specific and to the point uh as you possibly can also try to make them measurable so that's my second point um 
one of the difficulties we have with Ironman is the course changes from from year to year, or you go into a different race, or the yep. conditions are diff- different. So, for example, the field's stronger or weaker, and yeah, yeah. Um, so perhaps in your training, try to make some more measurable goals. So do some time trials. So you may have do a two k time trial every um, every month and set yourself some goals on that. So do a first one to get a base time and then try to set some goals for further down the track on yeah. how you want to improve that. And that is very, very measurable. Likewise with doing, say, a 20 or 40 kilometer time trial on the bike and uh, and do some sort of running, running um, measurable running distance as well. You can also use um, power figures if you've got a power meter uh, or lactate testing, things like that, and they're all a bit more measurable. So that will help to make the goal um, a bit more real and a bit more specific as well. Uh, third point I've got there is to make things attainable, and that's kind of what Bevan means by sort of breaking th- things down. Uh, if you have a, a long-term goal, um, putting in a little bite-sized pieces. So, like- and I think with the attainability thing is that it it really needs to be realistic to where you are right now. Yeah. Like I think it's like I know when I personally trained previously at the gym, you get people who are very keen, and I imagine you get this a lot as a coach, is that you get people who are very keen and they they think that they can do a lot more than what they really can, yep. or, or maybe they can for a week, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. again, you know, to be able to maintain that thing for a period of time or to achieve that within a period of time um, needs a real a real lot of realistic goal setting and that if you set something that's not obtainable you don't even become motivated to even start it because you try it a couple of times and you think wow this is way too hard and you lose all motivation yeah. whereas if it's within your reach and you you know you know that you can get there as long as you can do the work um, and you feel those results coming along quickly you stay motivated and you'll start to achieve those you know those goals and so it's really important that you do that and then that ties in with the next point, which is to make them realistic. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, is it realistic that you could be an Olympic champion, Bevan? Yeah, well, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm putting Iron Man. I'm going to lie to you. <laughs> so it, it's important that you, have, you do have dream goals, yeah. but they've got to be yeah. realistic. Yeah. Um, if you're 45, uh, I mean, and you're, you're just starting triathlons, yeah. chances of you being an Olympian is, is, is uh, relatively slim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so do make them realistic. You've got to make them challenging. You know, don't set pussy goals where you, you know it's too easy to achieve mm. them. Make them so they're really going to challenge you. But for your long-term goals, do make them tough. You know. Yeah. So I mean, Bevan, one of Bevan's goals may be to say win an Ironman, and I don't think yep. that's completely out of the question. I think it's bloody hard. Yeah, have to work. Um, have to do it. But I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Mm. So, so do try to just be uh, realistic. Make them challenging, but realistic. Uh, and the last point is to make things timely. So put a time frame on things. Like Bevan said, you know, in three years he wants to um, be doing X, Y, and Z at a pro level. Yep. So just to give you guys some examples. So instead of, say, maybe right, saying I want to lose weight, you could say a more specific goal is I want to reduce my saturated fat intake by one third by November so you're giving it a uh, you're making it really specific you're giving it a time frame and you're also giving making it measurable as well so you've obviously got to figure out how much fat you're taking in at the moment and then um, you can re-measure that uh, in November by, by which time hopefully you've achieved your goal um, it's also specific to the to the thing you know like then when you go to make a decision about eating you can think to yourself okay well let's have a look at my fat intake on the food I'm eating, you know, so you're actually being more specific about the decisions you are making with regards to those goals instead of just, trying, I'm trying to lose weight, well, yeah. I've got to stop eating less and, you know, and then yeah. you get hungry and it's like, you know, it's not so, it's really, it's better when it's a specific action that you can take and you know what that specific action is. And they don't have to, all these goals, they shouldn't necessarily be all centered around triathlon. Like it could be, if you're a real struggling with a morning person, it could be, you know, I want to get out of bed on, uh, at, 
6 a.m. three times a week mm. between now and end of November or something like that. Yep. So don't try to make them all about times and performances. Um, that's only part of your overall performance package. Yeah. Uh, but then I flip, on the flip side, here's an example of maybe a, um, a specific performance goal is maybe your goal is to run 10 kilometers in 40 minutes uh, by, by the by December at a specific race yeah um, so that's a nice specific goal one of the key things with all this goal setting stuff is not just to be thinking it actually put it down on paper uh, and probably put it in a fairly visible place especially your big goals you know whether you put them on the fridge or on your office desk so you, you do get reminded of them and they can help as a, as a motivator I am um, I also wrote up a quick article this week that will be on the website and um, one thing I've been doing goals like I do goals every three months and it's a, yeah. I do like a 15 page report it's a big it takes me about a week of time of just intensive thinking and I've found a method that seems to work for me and one thing that I've learned over time and through my experience as a goal setter is that um, your goal setting process needs to evolve as well in that the way I did my goals maybe seven years ago isn't exactly the same as the way I do it now because mm-hmm. over time the setting process, the the way I go down. So I, I tend to get my book. I've got a book that I have, and I tend to have a set of questions I use, and then I tend to do all this in a certain order, and it, it seems to work for me. But over time, I've learned that some areas of it don't really work, and it's a bit of a waste of time. And some areas I've added into it have worked really well. Like I've started to use words more like feeling and stuff like that mm-hmm. when it comes to achievement. And um, so I think that one thing is with your goal setting is also look at the process of how you set your goals and try to discover better ways for you to do it. So it's again, like in 10 years from now, the way you set your goals will be better in tune with how you work. Because mm. I don't think the way I set goals is necessarily work for John. No. Um, but I think what you do, and you, you, you're, you're a magician here, you've actually tied it into my last point here. Mate, well, <laughs> I'll take the credit. <laughs> But you've got to review your goals. So, yeah. I mean, while this article is titled, titled Goal Setting, um, that's only half half of it. If you don't yeah. look back and evaluate how you've gone, then um, it, I wouldn't say it's been a waste of time, but that's when you're going to get the real value of, um, like you said, evolving your goal setting. Yeah. So first time around, you might not get it 100% right. And no. uh, so then you've just got to try and fine tune it. Um, you can review your training log, which is obviously what we've talked about as well, tying this in with um, your training log. When you've had a good race, look back. Um, why did you have a good race and really reviewing the information and we all unless you're a full-time athlete most people have off seasons you know we're in the middle of our winter now good time yep. to be doing these things um, and and then review it every year mm, mm. do you I mean do you review all yours yes yeah, so well, first thing I do when I even do my goals is I spend time reading my last set of goals because again it's, it's quite a big report and I write about a page and a half of where what my comment on that time in my life. And yeah. one thing I've learned as well is that sometimes you set goals that realistically you didn't really want. And yeah. so, you know, so you need to also figure out what goal was the one, what from here forward, which is the best direction for me to be going in. Because sometimes, like I play music, I try to set goals in more than just triathlon. I try to have like five different areas of my life I try to set goals in. And sometimes I think, oh, I really want to get back into music. And I set these goals. And then at the end of the three-month period, I haven't really done that much work there. And so I have to yeah. really ask myself, did I really want to do that? Yeah. And Or maybe I just don't have the time in my life right now to achieve that goal. Yeah. And so I have to either make a sacrifice or accept that it's not really that important to me. Yeah. And it's quite nice to be able to have, make through the reviewing process, to be more realistic and accept, hey, I, it's okay not to play music because it's actually not mm. that important to me. I would rather be a better Iron Man mm-hmm. than be able to do both things averagely. And so, yeah, so for me, the reviewing part's a huge part of it. Yeah, I think the realistic is a, is a key thing. I get athletes come to me that say they want to be an Olympian and yeah. you go to them, do you really want that? Yeah. Do you really, really want yeah. that? And do you know what it's going to take to get there? Um, 
So I think that's a pretty key thing. I think the nice thing about goal setting as well, like, you know, it obviously gives you a pathway and it gives you a vision inside your own mind, but it opens up your way to different ways of thinking about achieving things. Mm-hmm. So I know that when I do my goals nowadays, for an Ironman, it's it's more about the way I act in the pool now. Instead of just doing three swims a week at a certain time and all the rest of it, it's now when I go, okay, don't don't be five minutes late. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure I when I there's certain challenges. You know, it's more about the finer tuning, and that's yep. what happens as well with, as your goals evolve and you become better in a certain area. So I imagine the guys out there who have done lots and lots of Ironman, when you set goals now, it's a lot more specific to the, yep. to the minor things, whereas when you're new, yeah. the, it's so broad. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. There'll be an article up there, so uh, have a little browse, set yourself some goals. Yeah. yeah. Do you, how often do your goals? Probably not as often as I should, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, most of my goals at the moment are business-related goals rather yeah. than yeah. Um, rather than performance-related goals. I've sort of moved on a little bit from uh, from racing. So yeah, I've definitely got goals on you know where I want my business to be: three months goals, six month yeah. goals, one year goals. Uh, and a big part of what I'm doing is really to work to a lifestyle where Bevan and I are lifestyle We're warriors, lifestyle warriors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the reason why I set my business up is I didn't want to be working for somebody else yep. and uh, and so I certainly have targets of uh, when I want to be doing certain things yep. and, and one of my goals I mean an- another article I, I wrote a while ago was um, when, when I did Ironman New Zealand a big part of my life was having Sundays off and, and spending time with my fiance then who's now my wife yep. and and just making sure that I have a try to have as much balance in my life as I can. Yeah, and do you know what? Balance is the biggest goal for me. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you know, we, in our sport, and, and we, I tend to think that I'm in a bit obsessive. Oh, yeah. You know, we are. We're kind of the type of people who, once we, we're single-minded, and once we want to do something, we do it. And uh, I learned earlier on that balance is the most important thing to that. You know, you yep. can be obsessed about one thing, but then have some other things in your life. So, yeah, yeah I like that balance one. Um, All right, where are we up to? Questions and answers. Questions, questions and answers. Questions. <laughs> I've got, I like this question coming up. I've got some good good views okay, on this. So, so Michael, is it Michael? Uh, yeah, Matthew, no, Matthew, Matthew Chappelle. Um, he's, he's, we love Matthew because he always asks us great questions. <laughs> and uh, he asks us basically, why is it that all the hot talent seems to be coming out of New Zealand, Australia or Germany in the, in the sport of triathlon? Ironman in particular, you know, and that the American triathletes just don't seem to be they've at the forefront the, nowadays. So like, I'm num- sure they've got some. They've got the numbers, yeah. but they're not necessarily... Like having, with the numbers, they're not really coming through. Yeah, yeah. per capita, yeah. And, uh, per capita of athlete. Uh, I think we punch above our weight, don't we? Well, of course we do. <laughs> but I mean, um, I, I actually, we were talking about this on the ride, and I, my view on this is quite different for the three different countries. Not so much just talking about Ironman, but talking about triathlon as a whole. Yep. Um, because I think the Germans are just, uh, I mean, they're very good at Ironman, and I think it's just, it's one, it's a numbers game, but they're just fanatical about the sport, yep. and, uh, and, and they just go crazy. And yep. they're, just, they're just a little bit nutty, and they're quite a scientific... Uh, culture, I think, and yeah. they love the science of it. And so nutty as they just love to train like a madman. Yeah, yeah. volume. They love doing huge amounts of volume, and uh, they just go crazy. Yeah, and, yeah. and and they've also got very a lot of success over there. Um, yeah, which... and this is going to lead on to my point with New Zealand is they've got a lot of athletes who do well. So there's a belief there that if you follow like Faris L. Sutton's program, you're probably yeah. going to do pretty well. Yeah. And so there's probably a big competitive edge there as well. But I think that was where I was leading on to with New Zealand is why do we do so well? And what we were talking about on our ride today is that we're just triathlon is a big sport in New Zealand. Yeah. It gets a, well, it gets a huge amount of coverage. Yeah. Uh, I could honestly say that, I don't know, put a percentage figure on it. 
I would say probably 75% of the country would know who Hamish Carter is. And yeah, he'd be, Hamish Carter would be one of New Zealand's biggest sports stars. Mm. By a country mile, you could, like, he's like, he'd be like a Michael Jordan in America. You can't go pretty much anywhere without seeing his face on some kind of product. Yeah, um, Hamish, Bevan, Hamish and Bevan Doherty are very, very well known. Cameron is, is very well known yeah. as well. Uh, those three are head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah. So there's a... And the thing in New Zealand as well, is, uh, although this isn't the top level stuff, um... Everyone's tried triathlon as well. Lots yeah. of, you know, a lot of the people in New Zealand are trying triathlon. Yeah, and you know, you pick up the newspaper like this. This week we had a girl from Christchurch, Andrea Hewitt, who finished second in a World Cup race. Yeah, that'll be a big feature in our yeah. Well, in in our today's newspaper. paper it was. Yeah, yeah, she had a big picture in the paper and it was a bit of hardcore on her. And you go to the airport. I was walking onto a plane the other day, and you're walking down the the gangway, and there's pictures of Bevan and Hamish on either side of you, all the way onto the plane. Yeah, and and so they're just household names. People know about triathlon. Yeah. And, and so that's who our people aspire to be, isn't it? Yeah, and it doesn't seem that far away. Like when we go training, we're training with the very best in the world. Yeah, you know, we jump in the pool, and so it feels a lot real. And I think there's a belief now that bloody hell, there's so many people doing well. I can do that. You know, you've got that belief. You th- you've seen the, the mm. pro athletes that come down here, and you know you're not far off them. Yeah. And there's that belief that you can go and do and it. And I've also seen some local guys kind of get through. You know, mm. like Chris. You know, yeah, Chris, you know, Chris <clears throat> McDonald is a good example. Mm. You know, just kind of someone of my ability a few years ago just done the work and you know and to me that's you, when you see it you believe it yeah so I think that's why New, where New Zealand sort of fits in Australia <laughs> Australians are freaks they're just good at every sport yeah they're very good sports people <laughs> and they're just a sporting nation um, one of the points that Matthew made here was uh, about the climate I don't think New Zealand the climate here is anything special we, no. we, we can train through the winter probably a bit better than northern, northern North America but our climate's nothing special. No. Um, yes, we've got some good coaches. Yes, we've got some good facilities. But uh, I don't think that's the, the main reason. In Australia, on the other hand, it's just an outdoor culture. Yep. Every kid learns how to they swim. They the learn water. to swim very yeah. fast. Yep. And they're, they're a very, very competitive nation. You know, you get a lot of shit from your mates if you're not fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's very competitive. And that's why they do well. They're just good at every sport. They're good at swimming. They're good at triathlon. Um, most sports that they try, they are good at. Yeah, the bastards. bastards. <laughs> they always got one up on us. New Zealand, Australia, kind of have this like, yeah, kind of thing where they kind of, yeah, we're competitive against each other. Yeah, we always have to punch above our weight. <laughs> so what else have we got here? You got a couple of other things. Yeah, um, Matthew also mentioned that Luke Bell had a podcast, uh, just a really short one going into Brazil. It was quite interesting listening to it. So um, we'll put a link up to that. So it only goes for like five minutes, and it was it wasn't the audio quality wasn't too flash, but unlike ours, which we have top quality well, everywhere. Never any problems with our mics, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, that was really interesting. And also, um, I've just been getting a lot of help from Mark Cathwaite, Cathcart, Cathcart, um, from the UK. And um, I just you know how we were talking about the MP3 and could we have the chapters and stuff back into it. Now he was telling me that basically Windows Media File would not be able to recognise the format that we would use if we were to have the chapters in it. So for now, we're best to stay away from that format. Um, it's all to do with big companies and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, for us to be able to go for everybody, we're unable to do that, which is a real pity because I know um, those of you who have tried it with the chapters preferred that method. Um, in the future, who knows what will happen. But he's also said that um, we should actually put an RSS feed on our website, which I'm aiming to do sometime this week, where for those of you who don't have iTunes, it's a lot easier for you to be able to download the show onto your computer. Now, I've been able to figure out how to do that through being able to listen to it on a website, but I'm not sure how to actually download it onto your computer. So I'm just talking with Mark in regards to that stuff. And he was actually the guy who mentioned Penny. All right. Yeah, oh, cool. so so I really appreciate Mark's help on that. And... Uh, 
Yeah, I'm basically he's my new IT guy. <laughs> <laughs> on the Windows side of things. He's, hey. on, he's <laughs> on a retainer. <laughs> yeah, he gets like a million questions a day. I'm Mark, by the way. So yeah, but one thing Mark did suggest, and I think is a really cool idea, is actually getting you guys to give us race reports. Mm-hmm. So if you guys feel that you are able to record race reports for races, um, you'd need to contact us first. Like we obviously won't be able to put everyone's on, but mm-hmm. if we could have an idea of some people, like let's say you're coming up and you're going to do the next Ironman and you wouldn't mind maybe just doing us a five minute race report at the end of the race or the next day and you have the ability to record it as an MP3 and send it through to us, which I think is quite easy technology. Um, yeah, we'd be really keen to actually, you know, get a bit of the information from the people doing this stuff now. I think Mark's going to do one for us. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll hope to get that up next week. I think he was going to try to get it through to midday. So we may even have it at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think it's cool, yeah. 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 Almost kicked the table over there. Yeah, <laughs> got a bit be too excited a, about it. It'd be a real shame if your little um, Mac fell off the table, wouldn't it? Wow, it's beautiful, man. Okay, it's beautiful. <laughs> Stop rubbing it. <laughs> that's a computer, I mean. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's it for pretty much questions and answers this week. If you have any questions that you may want to ask us, you can email us at imantalk at, at gmail dot com. Yeah, I was, I was having to pause there. Um, and also, we're basically you're going to notice a lot of changes to our website over the next period. We're really trying to focus on having a really good content-driven website for you guys so that it's not just about this podcast. It's about a resource that you guys can go back to often and use this as a part of your day-to-day use of Ironman. So we're aiming to have more and more articles, and it's going to take a little bit of time because, um, A, we have to write <laughs> I can't write that <laughs> yeah. quick. And B... Um, just you know doing it there's a lot of work involved but we're kind of really interested in doing that and making it a really good resource and we're also interested in getting articles from other people who maybe write or would like to add to it the um, website so if you are interested in doing that give us an email now again we can't guarantee you anything mm. um, but if, if we feel it's valuable information we're definitely keen to get it up on the website and mm. um, do that so <clears throat> yeah so so if you want to check out the show notes for today's show go to www.imantalk.com and um, yeah, anything else? What are you up to, David? Bit of work, got a bit of work, and then uh, it's countdown time. Next week will be the last show I do from the the yeah, amazing it's... Iron Man talk premises. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> Just look around, beautiful look studio. around this room. <laughs> amazing, that cream. <laughs> <laughs> we do the show in my bedrooms. <laughs> So then go there. <laughs> so next week will be the last one I do from here. And well, it's really exciting, actually. We've finally figured out how to do Skype interviews, and um, we're going to we're going to be basically doing a lot of interviews with John and other athletes while he's over in France doing Epicat France, which he does with Scott Molina and Gordo. So mm-hmm. um, and we're going to be interviewing athletes. Well, we're not really sure at this stage how much we'll be able see to how, do. See how we get on. Yeah, but there might be a week or two where we, the format will be a little bit different to what we do week to week, and uh, maybe a bit more focused just on interviewing some of the athletes yeah. over there, which um, which will be fascinating because these guys are. I don't know if you know much about Epic Camp, but check out the website epiccamp.com. Mm. And do you actually show the distances you're doing today? Uh, we get we're, with this camp. We will actually putting up some of the uh, the route profiles, so we'll oh, actually wow. be able to see uh, the the profile of the stages we do. And there are some pretty big stages. Yeah, yeah. well, and these guys are going to be shattered. So it'd be great to have a bit of an insight into yeah. that big camp training we've been talking about. Eh? Yep. Yeah. It's going to be uh, going to be interesting. So I mean, when this, you off for that? Uh, I go week and a half's time. Oh. So week weeks week Saturday week Sunday. 
Can't wait. Get away from this cold. Yeah. It's been miserable. Oh, it's not too bad now. It's nice and sunny. As long as a bit of sun. I, yeah. One thing I said when we were out riding today, it's amazing what a bit of sun does, and I felt so much better today. We have this hill we always climb. In the, in the last about three weeks, you couldn't even see the top, but today yeah. we saw it all. So we were 45 seconds quicker today, by were the way, we? than last. Last week we tried to, we went quite hard, I thought. Yeah. And this week was maybe a little bit easier, um, but we still went 45 seconds quicker. And yeah. I put that down to the sun. I just put it down with legends. But <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. Luckily, nobody else rides with us. <laughs> <to shame Yeah>. us. <laughs> anyway, guys, so you guys get out there and have a good week and train well, and we look forward to catch up for you same time, same place next week. See ya.